0: want to stir up in our hearts, just a, a real hunger to see our lost, our lost friends get saved. This week I had a very sad task, I sometimes have that as a pastor, and that is to take a funeral of a, a young girl, 20 year old girl. Very sad when you uh, go into a church service and there's someone who's only 20 years, we would expect most people to live these days beyond 70, and so to have 50 years or more of her life cut off. It's just nothing short of tragedy, very, very painful for the parents, very, very difficult. And I know we had a number of young people there, and uh, every one of those young people was deeply affected by the loss of a friend. I think this kind of situation uh, happens over and over and over. We read in the paper of accidents, car accidents, motor vehicle accidents, young people dying, and, uh, and, and there's a, there are questions, many questions people have in their hearts about the reality of what happens after death. And uh, What happens to a person when they die? What happens in the first five seconds after you die? These are questions people often don't speak them out, but they wonder about them And There's a tremendous amount of nonsense in the movies to try and explain some of these things If we want to find out about uh, what happens in eternity If we want to find out about life after death or what happens at death The best place we can go is to the One who made it known The Bible says of Jesus Christ He came from eternity, he came into the earth, and then knowing where he'd come from and where he was going to, that he was going back to his father, he served people, laid his life down as a sacrifice for people, then went into eternity again, so before he did, he appeared to many people, so if you want to know about eternity, then it's quite good to find directly from the person who's been there, lived there, experienced it, and has gone to be there now, And so. Uh, if we look through the, the, the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, he taught many things, and many times he taught parables. A parable is just a story. There's no, it's not a true story. It's not a real story. It's just a story to get interest, but in it there's a spiritual principle. But what I'm going to read to you is not a story, and uh, we know it's not a story for two reasons. One is, he doesn't tell us it's a story. Everywhere else, if it's a parable, they say it's a parable. So it doesn't say this is a parable. And Jesus is talking directly to his followers. He wants them to understand something. The second thing is there are two people who are mentioned in the story. They're mentioned by name. There's a third one is not mentioned by name, and probably very well that we don't mention his name. But these are real people who once lived, who once lived on the same planet we do. They lived in another time. And these people are very real. And I want to just go through and read what Jesus had to say about these people. At times, Jesus It's almost like he rolled back eternity and gave people glimpses into it. So there are a number of ways that he did that. Sometimes with miracles, miracles are manifestation of the eternal power of the kingdom of heaven coming into the earth. Sometimes he did it through miracles. Sometimes he did it through confrontation of demons. And suddenly for the first time, people become aware of an invisible spirit world. So when you look at Jesus' ministry, he made the spiritual tangible and real. And not only that, he taught about it. He taught uh, things about the eternal kingdom. He taught about things that would come. He made it very clear that he would not return until the gospel of the kingdom had been preached through every nation of the earth. And we still have a lot to do. But then he spoke one story that gives you a window into eternity. It's not a very pleasant window. It's not a very happy window. But Jesus had seen this. Jesus knew this. And Jesus could teach it like no one else could teach it. And so we're going to look in uh, Luke chapter 16, and uh, what I want to do is for you to just open your heart to look for a moment, not just at something in the Bible, but to look just glimpse into eternity to discover something you may not have been aware of before. And we want to ask the question, what happens in the first five seconds after a person dies? Five. There's some things happen in those five seconds when a person dies. I've been with people who've died. I've been with a number of people who died, and uh, it's a, a, it's a, an unusual experience. I remember being with an older woman. It was John Steele's mother. She was part of our church. She had cancer, and people used to go to her because she was dying of cancer, and they would feel sorry for her. So they'd go to the house, feeling sorry for her, to visit her, and they'd come away changed because. In her heart was an absolute confidence of a reality of eternity, and she was totally at peace. When you'd go to her, she would talk and fill you with joy and fill you with peace, and she was extremely positive about what was about to happen to her. I remember I was, with, uh, I was called up to the hospital another time, and uh, there was a particular family there, and I didn't know who they were. They weren't part of our church. I just asked them, I don't know how they even got my number. They rang me up, come up. So I go up there, and I go, and there. there's a family around. And this must have been a younger person, around about 30-ish, I suppose. And the moment I looked at her in the bed, I knew immediately she's going to die. She was in a coma. And, but her, what, what stunned me was the contortion she was making. You could tell this was a person with no peace in their heart. You could tell this was a person who was tormented inside, who was troubled. It was all over the person's face. Even though they were out to it, it was all over her face. It was all over her body. And I looked at her and I said, to "The family, I believe this is her last night on earth. You need to prepare to let go." It was uh, it was an incredible time. And uh, then I was with another lady, and uh, she was an old lady dying of cancer. She was in that particular room, which I don't like. And uh, she was there, and uh, I went and sat with her and talked with her. And she asked me this question, What is it like when you die? And I shared with her a few things. And I said, Well, if you're a believer and you are a believer, the Bible says, Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. In other words, it's an incredibly precious moment of time when someone who trusts Christ dies. Because then they see him face to face. The veil is moved. Suddenly, the one they've worshipped and loved and walked with all the years of their life, suddenly. The veil is removed, and they see him, and so I talked with her about that, and suddenly now you've got to realise she was very weak, she was dying of cancer, and there was very little life left in her, and suddenly she sat up straight, bolt upright, and I was quite astonished that she did this because she looked so very, very weak and feeble, and she stood up and she looked, and I could tell she was seeing something I couldn't see. I was quite interested of course, I said, what are you seeing? And she said, that man over there, can you see that man over there? I said, no, I wish I could, but I can't see him. I, can't, I said, tell me about him. What is he like? I, said, first, I asked, first of all, because I don't know whether it's a devil or what it is, you know. But I, I just asked, I said, she, I said, is he smiling? She said, he's smiling. And then she began to talk about his countenance, and what he looked like. And she described, now she was almost like... She was transfixed looking at something. And as she looked, she could see this person. I knew she could see the person. She could describe exactly where in the room he was standing. She described him. And uh, I said, it has to be the Lord Jesus. has to be Jesus Christ. And he's welcoming you. He's giving you a glimpse into what is about to come for you. And uh, sure enough, that very evening she died. But she died in tremendous peace. The Savior she'd served and walked with all her life. Now she saw a glimpse of him. Before she went into eternity to meet him So there's just some stories of people But this is something different This is actually something Jesus taught And so this is also a very real story These are real people And uh, two of them have names The other one doesn't have a name So we found it in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 And uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples And uh, he's in the presence of the Pharisees So the Pharisees, very rich, wealthy They coveted money. They lusted after all kinds of things. They were people who were religious, but there was no heart change. There was no love for people. So let's have a look and see what it is. And as we go through it, you will see for a moment a glimpse into eternity, and we'll be able to answer the question exactly how it is five seconds after a person dies. So here it is. There was a certain rich man who died, and he was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared or ate sumptuously every day. Now this is the man, they don't tell you who he is There's just a rich man, a man who is extremely wealthy And uh, there are two things that character- three things that characterise him One, he was very, very rich, very, very wealthy person Second thing that characterised him was he bought the best of clothes So he was out shopping, fine linen So very, very expensive to buy fine linen He went out and shopped for all the best of clothes He had a great life because he had a lot of money And not only that, he, he ate well In other words, he had a great feast every day drank wine and ate well and had food laid out on the table like you've never seen before. He was very wealthy. Whatever he wanted, he could have. And so that's the rich man. doesn't tell us who he is, but this is a real person. And we can tell uh, not only from this story about this man living, we can actually tell you in just a few moments exactly what he's experiencing right now, 2,000 years after Jesus spoke this. We can see it. And Jesus made it very clear. But there was also a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. So now Lazarus is described. Lazarus is a real person. He was as alive in his day as you are alive today. He was a person who walked the earth. He had a name. He had a family background. He had a family. He had. He came from a family, but he was a very sick man. The Bible doesn't tell us about uh, anything much about a sickness. But what it does tell us, it tells us two things about this man. Uh, and that was, one, he had lots of sores in his body, so he was riddled with some kind of disease. Second thing is that he, had, he was laid at the uh, rich man's house. If he was laid there, that means he couldn't walk. So this man was riddled with the disease, and the disease affected him so seriously, he couldn't walk. He actually had to go and be carried to the rich man's house. And he was carried to the rich man's house because his only way of sustaining his life was by begging. So here they are, two men, two man, a very, very rich man, a very wealthy man, very rich, clothed well, eating well, has everything that money can buy, and another man who's a poor man, and this man is sick with disease, and when people are very sick with disease, with sores, it's very easy for others to despise them, so he was very needy, and so they laid him at the rich man's gate, so that hopefully the rich man would have some compassion Throughout the Bible, the Bible tells us God is a God of compassion That means he's moved by the plight of people We see so much on television, we're not moved by much at all Very little moves us until we actually meet real people with real problems So here are two people One is Lazarus and one is the rich man And notice this, that that Lazarus desired to be fed with crumbs that fell from the rich man's table And the dogs came over and licked his sores So this guy is in a terrible state His sores are obviously flowing, they're open sores. He's in a very, very terrible state. He's hoping to be fed even just little crumbs from the rich man's table. He's hoping that someone will have mercy on him and help him. This man who had so much, he's looking to him and hoping that he will help him on the journey, that he'll provide him a little bit of food, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of help, something just a little to support him. He'd have even eaten the crumbs under the table uh, like one of the dogs would but the man wouldn't give him anything. And so that's the story. Two men, and the issue is not the wealth they had. The issue is not about being rich and about being poor. The issue is about the state of the people's heart, the condition of their inner life. It's never about what we look like outside. God looks on the heart and sees what we're really like. And it says, so the rich man, what happens now? It says, so it was, the beggar died. And later on we'll find the rich man died. So he probably died of his disease, died of what was, uh, what was afflicting him. He died, now notice this, he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. Just notice that for a moment. There are many other references to this. And then, but it says, the rich man also died and was buried. Now notice it tells us, the beggar doesn't say anything about his burial. He was so poor, I guess a few people who knew him picked him up and gathered him and made some poor grave and put him in there and just did the best they could. But there was no big fuss, there was no big funeral, no big celebration of his life or anything like that. But The rich man died and was buried, so he also died, probably prematurely. He thought he would live a long time. That's one of the things that happens to us, we all think we're going to live a long time and we don't really know. You have no idea how long you live, you have no idea how long you're on this earth. You only have the life you're living and breathing today and today is the day you make decisions, today you live the life you have, you don't know what tomorrow holds, you don't know what the future holds. We all have our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations, but the reality is that many people at at a very young age are cut off in their life by various kinds of tragedies, this is a reality, we see it in the paper all the time. So this rich man assumed he would have a long life, He assumed that his life would go on, and suddenly he was struck dead. So they had a big funeral for him because he's a very important man. But notice the difference immediately after death. It says, for Lazarus, it names him. Lazarus had a relationship with God. We know he had a relationship with God and a faith in God because he ends up in the presence of God. You can't end up in the presence of God if you haven't come to know him while you're alive on earth. Everyone is born separated from God. So Jesus is describing a real man and where he is now. And he said that straight after he died, something happened. So what happened for him in the five seconds after he died? One, two, three, four, five. In those five seconds, this is what happened to him. He closed his eyes and fell asleep. And immediately, he became aware he's in the realm of the spirit. You are a spirit being, you live in a body, and when you die, the Bible says when a person dies, a person dies, their spirit leaves their body And So he left his body, had a final out of body experience But Notice it tells us, it said angels gathered him or took him So immediately in the five seconds after he died, he suddenly was aware of his body being dead on the ground, and he is alive, and angels, real angels have come to gather him into an eternal realm where he's in the presence of God. So in the five seconds after he died, he suddenly wakes and is aware his body's on the ground, he is moving into eternity, and angels have come to gather him. In other words, he's a friend of God, and so God has brought angels to bring him into his presence. There are many scriptures in the Bible that tells us when People of God die, they are gathered into the presence of God Gathered means someone meets them, and walks or takes them on the journey into the presence of God So you're a believer, in the moment, the first five seconds after you die, person who trusts Christ, you will suddenly become aware that your life as you knew it is over You may become aware of your body, and you're outside your body But what you will become aware of, is that there are angels waiting to greet you and to take you and usher you into eternity into the presence of an almighty God who loves you. There you will face your creator, there you'll face Jesus Christ, and you will give account of your life, and your eternal destiny will be made very plain for you. Now, what about the rich man? So rich man, it doesn't say anything about angels there. There's no mention of angels when the rich man died. So we can only conclude if Jesus did not mention angels for him, there were no angels met him. So what happened for him in the five seconds after he died? It says, and being in torments in hell. There are a number of scriptures. There's an interesting one in uh, somewhere. (laughs) Uh, There's an interesting one uh, in Job 27 verse 19 to 22 and it talks about the rich man coming before the king of terrors. Now You've got to understand this. He assumed he was going to live a long life. It was a shock to him to die early. It's always a shock for people to die early. So this man died, and the moment he died, he suddenly become aware that he's now no longer in his body, but there are no angels waiting to meet him. In fact, actually the opposite. He is ushered immediately into an eternity separated by God, It doesn't tell us who took him there but it says in other places in the Bible, he shall stand before the king of terrors It's not a very nice sounding name is it, the king of terrors And so it says, notice about this man, it says, He, being in torments in Hades, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. Now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And beside this, between us there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can these pass from there to pass to us. So let's have a look what the Bible tells us. Now Jesus is giving you a glimpse into what it's like. Now the reality is that man is still there now. That man is still there now The reality is that Lazarus is still in the presence of God Notice what it says of Lazarus, first of all It says he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom Now Abraham is the father of people of faith So people who were descendants of Abraham, or people who follow Abraham, or people who believe in Jesus Christ, are children of Abraham by faith Now to be in the person's bosom, they understood what that meant In the Eastern times, they would lie down to eat their meal and so, to have a particularly close, intimate relationship with someone, you put their head against, your, their, bosom, against their chest. Uh, John the Apostle uh, lent his, uh, uh, his head on Jesus' bosom, he had a close relationship. So what it's saying is that this uh, man, Lazarus, is deeply loved by Abraham, recognized by Abraham, has a very close relationship with Abraham, the father of faith, and is uh, wonderfully happy in eternity. That was, that was what happened to him. But what about the other man? Now, there are two things that you can tell, and these are the interesting things. So there'll be a lot of people who are your friends. They've got no idea. I've been to some funerals, and I heard the weirdest things, weirdest songs, the weirdest kind of statements about they've just become a star, and they're looking down on us now. This is total nonsense. Or they're just floating around, and they're watching over us. Again, this is not true. It it comes out of the mind and imagination of people who don't know the reality. Here is the reality. Now, this is a reality for any person you know who doesn't know Christ. Jesus said you must be born again. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born from above. It requires an encounter with God to change you on the inside. Now, young people, I want you to think about this. You live and walk every day in the presence of people who are spiritually dead, and this is their eternity should they have an accident next weekend Should they go drinking to get rid of the pain that they feel in their heart, and a car goes out of control, and before you know it there's two or three young people killed This, what you're going to read now, is the reality for them It's not just some sort of story You know, the movies try to make these things and portray them and make them look in certain ways, but Jesus describes reality. So I want to show you two things about this. Number one, I want to describe for you the person himself, because in case you wonder what it will be like for me, all that happens is you lose your body, but you are still very alive. Death does not mean you don't exist anymore. Death is just, you're separated from your body, separated from the people, uh, separated from this earth, separated from loved ones. So the ones who are grieving are the loved ones. If you're a Christian, for you to go into eternity is great joy and great release. In fact, many people who uh, had experiences of going into eternity and encountering Jesus never wanted to come back. But they came back because Jesus assigned them to come back. Now, so what about this man here? Now, it says, notice these things. I'm just going to look at it very carefully. He was in torments. He had eyes. He could see. He could recognize Abraham and Lazarus. He recognized him. Notice he cries out. He's got a voice. He's crying for mercy. He's wanting, it talks about Lazarus dipping the tip of his finger in water and cooling his tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. So here's the thing that you notice about the man himself. The man himself has eyes, he has a tongue, he has fingers, he has feelings, he has emotions, and he has memories. So, in hell, this man is totally conscious, he can recognise Abraham who he's never met, so in the realm of eternity, you're able to recognise people you've never met, you know them immediately. You notice he's got memories, he recognises immediately who Lazarus is, which tells us that in his lifetime he knew exactly who Lazarus is and what his, what his condition was, but he ignored it completely. No heart, no compassion, no mercy, quite self-indulgent. So what else does it tells us? It very clearly there are fingers, there's tongue, there's, And notice what it says, he was in torments, terrible terrible, terrible torments. It was his tongue that was tormented and it described that it was uh, food and lust for food was his issue. So he says, I'm tormented in this flame. So notice now he's got these tremendous issues. Here he is, he exists. So when you die, you won't just cease to exist, you'll just walk out of your body and someone who could see you would know exactly who you were, a person from eternity. You'll walk immediately into eternity, you'll have fingers, and you'll have eyes, and you'll have nose, and you'll have all the features that a human being would have, except not a physical body, just a spirit body, and your memories, everything you remember, every experience you had, you'll take it with you. Now, notice also about the place. Now, so the people struggle with this thing of a real hell. But there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. You could probably search out the internet and you'd find stories, testimonies of people who went to heaven, also people who went to hell. Those who went to hell, it's extremely frightening, terrifying experience for them. Uh, there was a... Uh, 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 we had... Um, some CDs a little while ago, Mary Kay Baxter I think it was, and she had these visions where she was taken into hell and she was almost in trauma for days afterwards, it took her a long time to come out of it, and then she's become a most powerful witness, and she described the scenes of the people she saw, who she saw, what she saw, it's a most gripping thing, I tell you one of the most motivating things when you see it, but let's have a look at this place called hell, Firstly, you notice, he was in hell. He was in a real place. It is a real place. There is a spiritual place, a place in the spirit realm that that is called hell. Notice it's a real place, and it's a place of torment, place of tremendous pain. Notice it says he's talking about the flame. So there's obviously flames of fire in that place. Notice in that place in hell, there's memory. You can remember your life on the earth. Notice also that uh, you know uh, a number of things. You notice that he's able to recognise. There's, a, there's an unquenchable fire, Jesus said in Mark 9 He said, in that place, there is a fire that burns And it can never be put out There's a corruption that takes place can never, 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 never be stopped In other words, it's a place of immense pain and torment and, uh, uh, Of all kinds Part of the torment is flame Part of the torment is some kind of things that consume you But you're never fully consumed But part of the torment is you remember your life on earth And you remember the opportunities you had You remember people on earth who have known Christ, and you're aware of them in eternity You're also aware that there's no possibility that you can ever escape this place This is the most horrendous thing Most of us in a place of pain or a place of difficulty, the thing that comforts us is it won't be too much longer You go to the dentist, well it's very painful, but it's going to be over in an hour But not so this place, this man is still there He's going to be there for all eternity And so notice Abraham said, notice some other things. Abraham said, son, remember in your lifetime. So he's got memory, remembered in his lifetime, all the good things. And he said, now he is comforted and you are tormented. And there's a justice in this. When we go to heaven, we're comforted. We experience the comfort, the love of God. If a person goes to hell, they experience torment. They've left God out of their life, and now there's torment that goes on forever. Notice he said there's a great gulf fix between, the, uh, between those who want to pass from here to you. They cannot, and those who come, uh, those uh, from here pass to us. So you notice he's saying there's a, there, it's impossible once you're in that place to shift from one to the other. He said even if someone here saw a loved one and wanted to go, they could not. And even if you wanted to come and change your realm, you cannot. He said it's fixed. It's fixed by God. So, one of the torments for people in hell is they're aware of those who went ahead who have actually died in faith. It's a horrendous thing. And notice this uh, as we go down, it says, He says, Now I beg you, I beg you, Father, that you would send Lazarus to my Father's house for our five brothers, and he may testify to them lest they come to this place of torment. So, you notice now, he calls it a place of torment. He actually describes it. This is Jesus telling us about a real person. This is not some story, this is actually a reality, an eternal reality. Well, tell me something motivational, tell me something to get me excited, tell me something to get me wound up. No, 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 we're telling you about eternal reality. There are two eternal realities, one is a reality in heaven, and the other is a reality in hell and tormented, and that's what Jesus came. He never told us what the name of the man was, and I'm glad he never did. It's impossible for us to know who goes into that place. Only God can decide because only God is the judge That's why it doesn't tell us at all who that person was But we know he came from a big family, a family of six And they were probably a wealthy family Because he has great concern for his brothers So isn't it interesting, in hell he remembers his family And his only thing is, boy, they're in trouble if they come here He wants something to be done And uh, you notice what Abraham said to him Well, have Moses and the prophets let them hear him He said, no If one goes to them from the dead, then they will repent. Now notice this. He is aware that the reason he is in that place is because of his self-centered life and failure to repent. Jesus came and preached, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, there must be a change in how you think and how you run your life. There's a need to abandon a life without God and embrace a life of relationship and faith in him. So this man knew the reason he was there was lack of repentance. There was no opportunity for him to repent, and his concern is this: He remembers his friends, he remembers his family, he remembers his brothers, and his memory of his brothers. Says, I don't want them to come here. Can you can you tell them? And and Abraham says, Well, they've got the Bible. Oh, no, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Send someone from the dead. He said, No, even if we send someone from the dead, if they won't listen to the Bible and the prophets of God, they won't listen to someone who came from the dead. So what Jesus say very, very clearly is this, is that the Word of God is what we need to change our values, our thinking, and our heart attitudes. If we won't believe the Word of God and put our trust in what God says, then even if he saw a miracle, it won't change us. When, Lazarus, uh, when uh, Jesus' friend, Lazarus, it's a different guy, Lazarus, when he raised him from the dead, the religious leaders, instead of celebrating and having faith, wanted to kill him because he was inconvenient. Jesus rose from the dead. And in spite of him rising from the dead, there's still great con- contention worldwide, even though a man rose from the dead. People do get raised from the dead. In Pakistan, uh, Dave was telling me this recently at one of his last meetings he took there, uh, another girl was raised from the dead. So people do get raised from the dead. But what counts is what we will do with Jesus Christ and our response to the Word of God. So, what happens in the five seconds after a person dies? Death can come very quickly. Death can come slowly, but there is just a moment when the person dies. When a person dies, their spirit leaves their body, so here's what happens. They become aware as they leave their body, they're leaving this realm. If a person has faith in Christ, they become immediately fixed upon the presence of angels in white dazzling garment, with a great smile on their face, coming to greet them and welcome them as a person of faith, and bring them to where they belong, and eternity in the Kingdom of heaven forever and ever and ever, they are ushered into the presence of Jesus Christ, they are ushered into a realm of joy, of peace, of tremendous beauty, of beauty that you can't even possibly imagine, of colours and of life that is just beyond what we could know here That's why when people experience it, they're reluctant to come back, because it's so beautiful, so intense and so fulfilling. They would never want to leave it to come back to a war zone So that's what a person experiences the moment they come to the moment they die So I have no doubt that David's daughter Jessie in the moment alone in her bed when she had an epileptic fit and then suddenly died, there was a moment suddenly she was aware she's stepping out of her body and she's encountering angels and coming into the presence of the Lord And in that presence she'd have no desire to return So intense, so wonderful Something that's hard to describe, but for a person who doesn't know Christ, it's quite a different story. Maybe you know someone who doesn't know Christ. This is why they need to be saved, because of what will happen to them. That person that doesn't know Christ, we don't know how long they live, you don't know what accident can come, you don't know what, it, what can happen to that person's life, you don't know whether they'll have some kind of accident, we just do not know. Neither shall be so confident that it's not going to happen. We just need to actually carry the heart Jesus had for them. And here's it now. And notice what it says. Straight away, he opened his eyes and found himself in hell. There were no angels to greet him. Most likely, demons dragged him into hell. He turned up in a place of torment. His life terrified in absolute agony and pain, aware of his fingers, aware of his tongue, aware of his memories of earth, in a place of great torment, aware of other people in a different place, and there is no, no, no release, forever. This is a window into eternity, the story. and It's a story about real people, and Jesus told the story so we would have no doubt whatsoever. He knew that there would come a day when people would question whether there's an eternity, question whether there's life after death, and so he came, he came to make it very, very plain. So people today have two eternal destinations: one in the presence of Almighty God, one in the presence of torment forever. Only God can make the decision who is who. But what he has done is this. The Bible says in Mark chapter, Matthew chapter 9, it says, Jesus looked on the harvest field. He looked on multitudes of people, and he felt deeply moved with compassion Why? Because he saw into eternity, and he saw their condition, and his heart was moved Remember the problem with the rich man? The problem with the rich man was not his wealth The problem with the rich man was his heart He actually had no heart of compassion for people his heart was not moved with love for people, concern for people, desire to reach out. He was actually self preoccupied. This was his problem. Jesus looked out on the multitude and he said, he said They are like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. He said, The harvest is great, but what is lacking are laborers, people with a passion for souls, people with a passion for the harvest. And 11 young men put their hand up and said I'll go 11 young men gave their lives for the gospel this gospel of Jesus Christ is good news that there's an eternity that begins now with a relationship with God there's an eternity that is true now and just gets worse forever and you and I have the words of life to help people come into it we live in an hour when God is calling the church to understand the realities of Heaven and Hell, to experience and encounter Heaven, and to get in our heart a deep compassion for people that are lost. Not to go and harangue them with words, but to understand the Gospel is the power of God to salvation to every person who believes. I've had great joy to speak the Gospel and watch people weep as God touched their life and they came to Christ to feel and see the joy and the peace come into their life. Young people, God has a mission for you. It's a mission to carry His life to this generation, to carry the life of God, the Word of God, the power of God, and to find ways, creative ways, of communicating these spiritual realities to people. See, you're living among young people. Many are in pain, and they're trying to dull the pain through alcohol and drugs and relationships. They're actually lost and don't understand. This is why a person needs to be saved. They're lost. They can't find their way. It's the nature of sheep. If a sheep is lost, it cannot find its way home. It needs someone to go and say, this is the way. Jesus said, people are like sheep. If you ever had anything to do with sheep? Go and ask Barry. Barry knows about sheep. They just, once they're lost, they're lost. They can't find their way anywhere. They're just lost. They need someone to go. And You are the person to go, you are the person to carry the love of God You're the person to bring a message of hope I remember when someone first reached out to me, and it wasn't what they said, because I was pretty resistant, but it was what I saw in their eyes as they spoke their concern for me, and I knew, I knew I was in trouble It wasn't the words they said, I can't even remember what they said But the look in this person's eyes of concern and compassion for me, made me aware something was deeply wrong inside me, and I needed help I could see in the person's eyes a compassion and love of Jesus Christ, and it deeply disturbed me, because I knew I had something wrong inside And I think the very next time I went to a church meeting, I looked around for the first time I saw they had something that I was lacking and I needed to be saved. Just close our eyes right now, just have the musicians come up and just put something gentle on just for the moment. I really just feel tonight that God is wanting to awaken in our heart just a desire for the lost, a desire to reach to people. If you've got a Bible, go back into Luke 16 and just meditate on it. If you've got a computer, go look on the internet, you'll probably find some things on YouTube, a little bit about it. Get testimonies of people who were there, who've been to this place, who've seen its reality. And ask God to fill your heart with a deep love for people who are lost When you see the young people in your classroom or the people around you in your neighbourhood Begin to look at them quite differently As you look at them, this is what you look for As you look at people, even I did this for a little while when I first came to the city Just begin to walk down the streets and praying quietly in tongues And looking into the eyes of people looking into an eternal being and my heart was moved for the city as I saw how lost people were it sort of shows in the eyes the deadness, the dullness you see the vacancy there's no joy, no vibrancy, no life they need a Saviour what were you saved from? you were saved from the power of sin with all its torments, the separation it brings an eternity without Christ And eternity in that place of torment That that rich man is in right now He would wish that someone could come from the dead And appear in front of you right now But Abraham said, no, even that won't change things They have the Word of God If they won't believe that Then even someone turning up and appearing to them Won't make the difference So tonight, you have had the Word of God You have heard the very words of Jesus We put them on the screen and read them out There is no mistaking There are two possible destinations And one decision to make What will I do with Jesus Christ? That is the decision It's not about Bay City It's not about church It's not about some big experience It's actually what will you do with Jesus Christ what year are we living in? 2011 what, what, what do you mean 2011? it's 2011 years since Jesus Christ came what would you do with this person? I just sense God wants to put into people's heart a fresh passion for souls a fresh concern for the lost And if that's you tonight, why don't you just come and just lift your hands to the Lord or kneel down in front of Him, say, God, put a deep burden in my heart. It's not something I can work up, it's nothing emotional I can do, but I just want you to start to awaken in me the compassion and love that you have for people around me. I walk around them and past them, and I I just overlook that they're in such desperate need. I've lost the passion to see them saved. Lord, tonight I'm asking you to reignite it. Would you do that? Would you come tonight? That's your prayer. Say, God, ignite that fire again in my heart. Why don't you just make your way out of your seat tonight and say, God, ignite a fresh uh, passion, a fresh desire for lost people. Ignite it in my heart. Lord, help me to see and become aware of the very fires of hell, of the very fires of torment, Help me become aware of it Lord, I, I want the reality of these things to quicken inside me so there's an urgency, a desperation, there's a, there's a concern that can be seen and felt in my words and my countenance Lord, I'm asking you to awaken this in my life i on, don't be afraid to come if that's you If you have no heart for the lost or no concern for them It would be good to just say, God, I don't know why I feel no concern Awaken in me, concern. Awaken it, Lord. That's right, we just lift our hands to the Lord right now. Just begin to worship Him. Lord, Holy Spirit, I can't make this happen, but I'm asking for you to come. I'm asking, Lord, that through vision, through revelation, you would awaken the hearts of people tonight to the eternal realities of heaven and hell. Whether it be by vision Whether it be by dream Whether it be by an encounter in this next few days A week or whenever I'm asking Lord that the reality of eternity Would come alive for every person That's standing here today Father that they begin to see Into the spirit The reality of those flames The reality of people in torment The reality of the lostness there People crapped in dungeons People who once walked the face of this earth absolutely lost for eternity oh god right in our heart a deep passion a deep concern that lord tears would come we would begin to weep for the lost weep for our own generation weep for our family members weep for those in the church who think they're safe and really their condition is desperate lord we'd weep for the city that we live in for its lost state lord we pray tonight that You begin to pour Your Spirit upon people, that we begin to have a fresh fire, a fire for souls awakened in us. Lord, open our eyes to see into eternity, to see that rich man, the horror in his eyes, in his countenance, lost forever, remembering his brothers, but now they're there with him. Oh God, awaken in our hearts. Lord, a terrible, terrible concern for lost people, a passion, Lord, for the lost A desire to see them Awaken, Lord In our hearts There's an awareness of the eternal reality of heaven and hell It's possible for the Spirit of God to open your eyes to see And to begin to feel the pain Begin to see and feel that place But as you see it Feel the heart of Jesus Hell was never made for people. It was made for the devil and his angels. God never made that place of torment for people. It was made for the devil and his angels. Tonight, as you look into that place, begin to be aware of Jesus, his great compassion. It's not his heart that any should go to that place. Peter writes at this, God's heart is that none should perish But all should be saved What is the will of God? None perish All saved None of your friends perish All saved None of your family perish But all saved So who will pray? Who will stand in the gap of intercession To break the yoke of sin To break the yoke of Satan Over people so their eyes are no longer blinded Who will arise in prayer and begin to passionately intercede for souls who will arise and begin to equip and get to know how to share the gospel and begin to look for ways to reach out to their friends with kindness with love and to share unashamedly the gospel of jesus christ paul says i'm not ashamed of the gospel i'm not ashamed of the gospel message i'm not ashamed of jesus christ i'm not ashamed of what he said i'm not ashamed of who he is I'm not ashamed of what he did. I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to all who will believe. Father, awaken in us. Awaken in us as a church. Awaken in us as individuals. Your compassion for lost people. Let it begin to mobilize and drive us and empower us to reach our friends with passion, with purpose, with zeal and Lord, with a sense of urgency One of the challenges we find is we live in a culture where people are passive and there's nothing really urgent except that I can answer my phone right now and see who's calling me but we need to get the urgency of the gospel going out Lord Jesus I thank you for people tonight who are standing, awakening in each of us a passion and desire for the lost, a deep awareness of what we are saved from and who saved us and how much we love you. We thank you tonight, Jesus Christ, that you came into this earth. We thank you left heaven, came into this earth. We thank you, Lord, that you demonstrated the kingdom, demonstrated the love of the Father demonstrated for us the realities of the kingdom, taught on the realities of the kingdom, and then boldly gave up your life, knowing that you would never stay in that place of death, but knowing that you would rise again from the dead. Oh my God, fill us also with such confidence, with such absolute confidence in the gospel, that we're willing to pour out our lives to see lost people saved. Lord, we give you the honor and we give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, Lord, just as we finish the service tonight, write in the hearts of every person here pictures, faces, names of people you want us to pray for and show kindness to and reach out to, build bridges to, and share the gospel with. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on us to do this work. In Jesus' mighty name.